Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We're glad y'all are here. We had we got a phone call right at the beginning of our last recording, so this is uh, a new one. So we're trying to remember all the things we said at the beginning. Number one is um, we have no, we don't have any idea when you're watching this video. Remember, we record these ahead of time. So um, if we mention kind of stuff happening right now, like the you know, crazy stuff with the virus and everything. Maybe by the time you watch this, it's all over. And oh, that would be exciting. So. We have our fingers crossed because a lot takes place in the next several weeks that are ahead of us. We'll have um, conference. general conference will come. Easter will come. And then... Back to the Book of Mormon, right? Yeah. So it's where we're going to be. You might so. not even remember that we do come follow me because it's going to be so many weeks. <laughs> so this is kind of fun because this these chapters lend to a lot of thoughts of like gathering for holidays and gathering for conference, but they would have already happened by the time you watched this. So that is kind of fun and neat. The other thing we want to do is thank this friend whose name is Christopher Patch. We've never met him before, but he goes through and he timestamps all our videos on YouTube so that you can find different sections in them if you want to skip ahead and find that one story or that one part. And we didn't ask him to, and we just think it's really rad that he is doing that. So Out of the goodness of, our, of his heart. And we're so grateful, but you're so grateful too. So thank you, yeah. Christopher Patch, wherever you, you are. Shout out to you. So grateful for Okay, we will move out of the way of the board so that you can see what you want to see on it. Um... We are coming into Mosiah chapters 1 through 3 right here. And let's remind you, since we've been kind of doing different types of, you would have been doing different types of things up until now, that um, what's been going on in the Book of Mormon. <laughs> what does that mean? What kind of different types of things have well, been like doing? Well, like Easter and conference, and you forgot what was happening in the <laughs> okay. Book of Mormon. So we're going to go clear back so to maybe where we just forgot. were. Yeah. We were in Words of Mormon right before here. And Words of Mormon's kind of this transition um, chapter, you know, where Mormon kind of comes several hundred years ahead and kind of narrates for just a second and, and switches the story for us. We've had this family passing these records down, 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 father to son, father to son. Um, and then all of a sudden, the last guy that we saw in the book of Omni didn't have a son. So he passes them on to this righteous king that he really trusts. And then now Mormon kind of shifts the camera lens onto this king. And that's kind of who the, who the focus is. And we thought it was neat that in Words of Mormon, he kind of paints the background to what's going on. And you have, like, this has been ongoing. It hasn't stopped. Like fights within their own community and, and attacks from the outside. And in Words of Mormon, in... Um, verse something, 13, uh, it says that the armies of the Lamanites came down out of the land of Nephi, where their main base is, um, to battle against his people. But behold, King Benjamin gathered together his armies, and he did stand against them. And it's kind of neat that everybody's been before that fighting and having these contentions, it says. 
Um, and then they unite together to fight against this one common enemy. And it's neat how that happens sometimes where, you know, there might be all these like things that we're, you know, that we struggle through and are, are petty and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, when this common enemy shows up, people gather together and they remember what is important and they remember like what's at the center of their heart and souls and minds. And, and that's what you see here both in this war in Words of Mormon, but then when you jump into Mosiah, he's going to gather them all together again for another common purpose. And I think you love watching that strong leadership style in times like that. Um, and we see it both as parents in our homes, but I love as we just even think about President Nelson right now and as we've been going through this time and um, the opportunity that we have to participate in a worldwide fast and to be doing um, things like that as we're going through a time of trouble. And it, it makes you realize why Omni would have thought this would be a good man to hand the plates to because it's yeah. somebody who's talking to God, who's listening to God, who's leading the people, who's strengthening the people. And one thing that is remarkable about King Benjamin that we are going to learn is um, that he, he knows how to strengthen faith and families. And we're going to watch that happen in the time while he's the prophet. I love as you just think about King Benjamin, um, that he learned how to lead from his father. And if you're interested in just learning a little bit about that, you might want to look back at Omni 1, 12 through 19, and just see what you learn about um, how he was raised and what, what he knew. It's also neat that King Benjamin takes these opportunities to unite people together. Mm -hmm. You know, where he's like, look, everybody, let's think of, like this opportunity came instead of like, you know, kind of, you know, dropping in the face of it. He's like, okay, let's gather together. Yeah. And let's, this is a time he thought where we need to strengthen our faith and we need to strengthen our family. So let's seize that moment and actually do it. It's yeah. really cool. It's so good. And it's so timely for us right, right. now. And especially because a lot of um, these references are going to go back to a time when King Benjamin stands up and addresses the people. And we so are about to enter into that same situation, which is awesome. Um, so we want to go through and just talk about seven principles that we learn from King Benjamin about strengthening both family and faith. And then we invite you, um, by the time you watch this conference will be over, to go back and see if there's anything that we learned from conference that would mirror some of these same teachings. That would be really interesting to put those um, together with this lesson. So we're going to start out right in chapter one. The very first principle that we see is family scripture study. Um, and if you read in Mosiah 1, and we're going to look in verses 4 through 7, we'll just pull out some of those things. But as we thought about it and as we talked about this, we were like, look, this is like the first recorded account of a family scripture study taking place in scriptures. If you wanted to know what it looked like, he's going to describe it right here. He says this in verse 4, For it were not possible that our father Lehi could have remembered all these things to have taught them to his children, except it were for the help of these plates. For he having been taught in the language of the Egyptians, therefore he could read these engravings and then teach them to his children so they could teach them to their children and so fulfilling the commandments of God even down to this present time. And I just love the thought of Lehi gathering his family to teach them 
the words of scriptures, knowing that then they would gather their families. And that tradition had been passed down from family to family, clear till this time. Um, and he talks about, were it not for these things, for these records, for these scriptures that have been kept and preserved by the hand of God, that we could read and understand them and have his commandments always before our eyes, that our fathers would have dwindled in unbelief and we also would have dwindled in unbelief. And um, I, he, we love that in, at the end of verse six, he talks about we can know of their surety because we have them before our eyes. And then in verse seven, he gives an invitation. I would that ye should remember to search them diligently, that ye may profit thereby. And the thought of what family scripture looked like back then, but also clear now in our own time, the fact that this is part of the Lord's church. This is part of what families do to stay strong and to strengthen faith um, and testimony. I just love the thought of that it's just part of God's family. It's part of how he does his work. Yeah, and I love the, the, the emphasis here on what is the value of doing this, both for your own faith and the faith of a of a family that he says, you know, had we not had them, we would have dwindled in unbelief, which teaches to me then the purpose of scripture is to teach us to believe. And several times he says in there, we wouldn't have known about the mysteries or the revelations or the works. Those are synonym for mysteries of God, like what God has been doing and teaching us to believe in that same type of God. I think it's cool that he says we believe we, we know of a surety because we have them before our eyes. And then because they have those records before their eyes, then they can start to see God before their mm -hmm. eyes in everywhere they're going. And I remember when we switched our scripture study to, you know, let's just get through it to let's use this time to teach ourselves and the kids to believe in God. That's when it really became powerful. And it's so neat because it helps us in times of uncertainty, our own uncertainty, to think to ourselves, has this ever happened before? And where can I go back in scripture and find something similar and see what God did? Because we know God is unchanging. So what he did then, he has the power and capacity to do now in our own lives. And, and there's just power that comes from remembering that. And we said this, like we've said this several times and at the beginning of the year, remember one of the reasons we put into the study journal spots for you to watch the great things God is doing in scripture is to really show and teach ourselves how to find those great things outside of scripture. Remember when he becomes the hero of the story, that is when scripture becomes worship and when it becomes powerful, mm. um, when we find him there, and then when we start seeing him. That's how we start to live in faith. Yeah, that's so We good. learn it here first and then see it there. It's cool that they're doing that. Right and I here. think it's important also as you think about this family scripture study, in your mind you might be like, that sounds so nice that Lehi did it and his children listened and passed down. And it almost makes it sound like scripture study is easy, which it isn't. Um, family scripture study is never easy. And this is one thing um, that I learned and maybe you want to also give input. My kids are all grown now. My youngest is serving a mission in Sacramento. And um, they, they all kind of do their own thing. But as they were growing up, we shifted what scripture study looked like all the time to meet the needs of our 
family. When they were tiny, everyone had a little inexpensive copy of the Book of Mormon they could color. We would read word by word. You probably have done that same thing, and it feels like it takes forever to do family scripture study. And then there was a time when my kids were split. The littles were too little. We couldn't have a great conversation with them, but we could with the bigs. And so we actually split up our family scripture study for several years where we would read with the littles while the bigs were doing homework. And then we would read with the bigs when the littles had gone to bed. So we could actually have moments that were meaningful Mm. instead of just trying to get through it. Um, And my favorite was when my kids got older, everyone was in high school and I really wanted my kids to learn to become independent readers of the scripture on their own and to find the things they needed in their life rather than me trying to always tell them what I thought they needed. And so in the last years while our kids were in high school, we would read our scriptures at 945 every night. We set an alarm for 15 minutes. We all read in the same chapter. So like if we were reading Mosiah 1, we would all read Mosiah 1, but to ourselves independently. And everybody was supposed to pick the part that stood out to them. Mm. And then as soon as the timer went off, we just stopped reading wherever you were. And we went around in a circle and everybody just shared, this was the verse that was meant for me today. Mm. And it ended up being such a powerful scripture study time because rarely did any of us pick the same verse. Isn't that interesting to watch how God works um, through the scriptures to teach us? But it helped my kids learn to read on their own and to appreciate verses on their own and to allow the Spirit to speak to them on their own. And we still were gathered as a family, but it helped to produce that independence in Scripture study. I don't know. Do you have any hints you want to give yeah, what you're doing? One, just to, younger? yeah, they're just, yeah. Well, we're from um, five all the way up to 14. So we really are in that spot where it's like, oh, how do we Mm -hmm. kind of adjust this? And amen to what you said. In fact, we're doing that for a church right now. Our church that we do around the kitchen table is in the week we give the kids something to read and they all come Mm -hmm. on Sunday to the table with something. And it's been super meaningful. It is simple, which is one of my tips that I learned. I was in a training with Sister Beck and this lady asked a question and said, what? How, you know, we're, I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do this and it's a disaster. Um, we're trying to read 20 minutes and Sister Beck was like, how old are your kids? And they were little and she was like, oh, you're doing it way too long. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, for some reason that gave me permission to be like, oh, let's rethink this and start like, how can we do it to be meaningful? So right now we actually take um, just one verse a night. And these are the verses that we're, we pick and put in the newsletter, by the, the way, the take five yeah. cards. And we talk about, that one verse and we're looking for God to be the hero and we're looking for, okay, how can I live this out in my life tomorrow? So it's just nice. Sometimes it goes really long and, and by really long, I mean like six minutes. And sometimes <laughs> it's like, you know, a nice little one minute little talk. And we're like, okay, God's good. Isn't he y'all? Let's pray, you know, and that's kind of how it goes. So number one is um, scripture study. Number two, our second principle that we want to look at, you'll find it in Mosiah chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. And it is a principle that we call facing your tent. So this is interesting when um, Mosiah gathers, not Mosiah, King Benjamin um, gathers, and Mosiah, his son, they're doing it together. It's a team. Um, Oh, there might be a really, really cool principle in there of a father and a son gathering together, everybody together. 
like what happens at conference when the Father and the Son have gathered the whole world family That's together. That's so true. There's something cool there yeah, I have you, to work through. But you can't, <laughs> you can't help but see conference in these two. But scenarios. I meant Jesus and the Father. I know. Yeah. I love that yeah. too. Um, but you, we should say you can't help but think about conference, particularly this year. So it might be fun to talk about conference first and then you're facing your tits. Oh, or three. Did you want to talk about conference in this one? Because it kind of comes right here. Yes, but I first just want to say this, so I will. Say what you want to say. I yeah. just so bad want to say this. This is one thing that is so unique about conference this year is the fact that we are not all gathering together in the conference center or in stake houses or anywhere, but we are all watching it in our own homes as separated families. And it's so interesting because oh, when yeah. you read, it says... They gathered together and they pitched their tents, every man according to his family, consisting of his wives and his sons and his daughters and their sons and their daughters. This is verse 5. And then this phrase, yeah, at the end of verse 5, every man being separate, one, or every family being separate one from another. And when I read that this week, I was like, oh, that is so like general conference this time. We're you all just, separate. You yeah. feel that, that we're all separate, and yet we're all going to hear the same words from the same prophet and we're all going to be blessed because of it and i just i love the thought of it happened here and it can happen again but we love um this facing of the tents not just for that general conference but where they face their tents so go ahead now i just couldn't okay you had to do that yeah that's so awesome because engine. um it's what's so neat and i think the principle teaches it right here spoiler alert Principle number three is the words of a living prophet. But before that, it's interesting that what the prophet does before he speaks is he has everybody set up and face their tents toward the temple. That's verse six. So it's an interesting principle that they're all round about the temple and every man his tent with the door towards the temple. And that's interesting because you have to remember what the temple actually represents. Um, this was a place that the central purpose of the ancient temple and the modern temple is to teach us of the sacrifice and the works and merits of Jesus Christ. The temple is that, like in the center of it was um, the representation of his presence, an altar that represented his sacrifice for all of mankind. That is what he is, King Benjamin is having them face their hearts toward first their tents because he's like if you're physically faced towards this thing i want this to be a manifestation of what's going on inside the soul which is a heart and soul leaning toward the sacrifice of jesus to the house of the king to his where his presence is and that is what he is having them do which is cool to, over the last couple of weeks president nelson has been doing that with us and mm -hmm. and saying to us the theme of this conference is hear him. Turn your hearts and your ears and your eyes toward him. Yeah, it's so good. Um, and then the next thing that is going to happen is in Mosiah 2, 7 through 9. Um, and the multitude was so great, King Benjamin couldn't teach them all within the walls of the temple. So he caused a tower to be erected. And then he began to speak. And because the multitude was so big they caused that the words should be written so they could deliver them into each of the separate tents and it's the enzyme it really is just this huge <laughs> general conference isn't it that's what you feel like and the words being delivered into every single home where they needed it and did we say what the fill in the blank was right here no the, this fill in the blank is what i said earlier is number three is the words of a living prophet um and i love at the end of verse nine when it says um 
I have not commanded you to come up hither to trifle with the words which I shall speak. But they... Which happens sometimes yes. with the words of the prophets where we're like, what do you mean by that? Or he should have said it like this. And what he's going to say here, I think is so important. He's like, listen, listen, listen. I know we're going to say things imperfectly sometimes. And I know, you know, that there might be some arguments over what we said, but here was the purpose for our words. Yep. And this is what he says. I invited you that you would hearken unto me and open your ears that ye may hear and your hearts that ye may understand and your minds that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. Um, and we love the thought of that, of just this is was an opportunity for them and it will be for us also once conference is over to look back at the words that the prophet thought were important for our homes at this time. And what were those words? We so bad wish we could record this after conference just because it would be so awesome right now to think, what did he tell us? What are the things that he felt were so important for this time, for our families, in our homes? And what are the things we'll be working on now? What are the things that we're focused on? And what counsel came? What warnings came? What promises came? Um, all of those are the things that as we go back and look at the words that are delivered into our homes, maybe those are the three things that we are looking for. In the next six months, what did our prophet think was so important that he would hope our hearts would be opened and our ears and, and our eyes to be able to see what do we need to be doing right now? Yeah, and we could just make it really simple. We already know. And it is that our hearts, minds, and ears should be open so that God can be unfolded in our life. Whatever we're going to be asked to think about and try and focus a little more is so that God can be unfolded, mm. you know, in our yeah, homes. That's and that's so similar good. to verse 4. It's cool, by the way. We, we didn't mention this. We skipped it over. But in verse 1, I love, just because I'm looking on your mantle behind here, the proclamation to yes. the world on the family, that in chapter 1, verse 10, um, he says, I want you to make a proclamation, you know, to all the people so that we can gather under this one truth. And it doesn't have to be an official proclamation, but there really is this proclamation of here is, um, let me teach you these truths that mm. will be so valuable to you. End of verse four says that they might rejoice and be filled with love towards God and all men. Ooh, He's like, that is so the good. end result of a proclamation of a gathering mm -hmm. of all of all those of things listening. and this would be a really fun week to actually sit down with your family and process what did you learn what stood out to you when my kids were growing up we had a tradition that i actually miss so much now um, but we used to have a general conference wall um, right when you walked out the door of our house. I don't know if you ever yeah, even... I did, did right by the front door. Yeah, right by the front door. Where they would hang up, yeah. And um, every six months at conference, I would challenge my kids to find one quote that was their quote from conference. And so my kids would take notes for all of the sessions. But then when it was all over, they would take a couple days and read through. And they would pick, this is my quote. This is my one quote. And then we would hang those up on our general conference wall for the next six months. Um, everybody's one quote that they were working toward or thinking about. And then every six months we would change out those frames to whatever was next. But I love that thought of processing conference, of taking the time to sit down with your family this week and say, what were the things that we feel like were the most important from the yeah. words of the prophet this time? And 
maybe schedule a time for that. Maybe get a really good dessert to have so you can sit at the table and everybody wants to be there, but you can have that conversation of just processing. What did we learn? What was the standout? We, um, this, we'll try and find a link for this and it won't be in this, this newsletter because conference hasn't happened yet, but in a future one, or we'll put it on our, um, don't miss this, um, Instagram page probably. Yeah. That'd be easy. Um, but Deseret News, um, will put out uh, actually this, like, um, like a quote from every single person's talk they have in the past. And that's kind of fun to, you know, to flip through almost like the powerhouse quote from each of them. So if they do it this year. We'll, um, we'll kind of pass that on because we like to do that too. It's mm-hmm. fun to like look at the highlights and look through. We actually play, uh, do a March Madness yes. bracket <laughs> with so the quotes fun. and vote until we found the best quote of all of conference. So we'll watch the Instagram stories for a link to that because it's neat if you're like, oh, it might be overwhelming to have all the talks, just like to have the highlights And if you have there. boys that are the age that they are so missing that March Madness uh, thing. <laughs> this might not satisfy, but, but it's like so fun. <laughs> we do go through and we write down our, we start at the sweet 16, so it doesn't take forever. <laughs> we write down our favorite quotes on every side and then we vote all the way in until the conference championship. <laughs> and the one quote that is our family's best quote <laughs> is it wins. Um, it wins. So that could be super fun. Okay, um, remember that line at the that end one, of obviously. yeah. Forever. <laughs> remember that one line at the end of four. It goes into the fourth principle, the end of verse four, which says that they might rejoice and be filled with love towards God and all men. King Benjamin will actually um, stand and talk about that a little bit in verse seventeen, where he tells them, where he talks about like as a king, um, this is something that I've done my whole life is labored for God and for you and then teaches this powerful principle that all of you are probably familiar with in verse 17 where he says here's wisdom Um, this is what I want you to learn that when you're in the service of your fellow beings you're actually in the service of your God that to serve other people is serving God to love other people is loving God um, we, oh, this, um, yeah, I before this, you go there, let me oh. just say this one thing as you're looking at, um, looking for that. One thing that we see about King Benjamin that is really unique is that he was a leader who was in it with his people. Like I love when you showed us in words of Mormon and it talked about, he picked up his own sword and fought with the people. And as we read through here, he's going to tell us, I actually got out and served with the people. That is what kind of leader he mm-hmm. was, is he was in it, he was showing them how he wanted them um, to live and to love and, and to be with each other. And he was the prime example of that. And as we were talking about this, we thought of someone in our time, in our day, who also is an example of just getting right into the trenches and living out what this would look like. And we, we love this example. Yeah, this is from um, Mother <laughs> Teresa, who's just so sweet. Um, I, this is a letter that a friend of mine actually owns a copy of, and it's one of the very last letters that she ever wrote in life that we know of. Um, And it's neat that he has it. It's from a gentleman who wrote to her, his name is Richard Jones, and he wrote to her and asked for her autograph. Um, She'd won the Nobel Peace Prize, so she was kind of, kind of well known at this time. She was spending all of her years in Calcutta, India with the, uh, the lepers and those who are lived on the streets, what they used to call the untouchables um, in the caste system. Did you know that they 
um, made it illegal to call them the untouchables. They're now called the Hadijan, which means the children of God. Hmm. Isn't that kind of neat? Yes. Um, but those who are just in the low, low, low spots of India, can she, that's where she was in it with them. And he says, can I please have your autograph? She has this letter written back to him. One of the last things she says while she's alive on earth, typed up on a typewriter. <laughs> it says, um, Dear Richard Jones, thank you for your letter. More important than autograph is what we do for Jesus and through him for others. Look around and see. There are so many in the world who are lonely, unwanted, who have no one to call their own, maybe in your own home. It is easy to love the people far away. It's easier to give a cup of rice to relieve hunger than to relieve the loneliness and the pain of someone unloved in your own home. Be the sunshine of God's love to your own for this is where our love for each other must start. Let us pray. God bless you. And then she, even though it was typed up, she actually signed it at mm-hmm. the bottom. Mother Teresa. I think she knew this really valuable and beautiful truth that God takes it personally the way that we treat other people. And that's why this is such a, a beautiful... When we talk about not just... When we talk about building, strengthening families, but that's awesome, but strengthening faith right? In God. I can't think of any other way to strengthen faith in God than to be with him in the love and lifting and service of other people. And I love that one line. See if you can find it where it says, be the sunshine of God's love to your own, to your own. Because so often we're like, oh, I'll go take dinner to someone. I will, you know, whatever service project, even though we probably aren't doing that in the world right now. But um, I love the thought of what are we doing under our own roof for our own people, just for our family? How are we bringing the sunshine in there? And maybe that's something we can learn Yeah. Um, about this sure. strengthening families. Um, okay, number five is going to be keep the commandments. And this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Book of Mormon um, because it's one of my son's favorite verses in the whole Book of Mormon. And many of you will probably remember this story but we have a cute boy who moved in with us when he was 18 years old and then just became part of our family and now one now he's one of our boys but when he moved in with us it was after time spent in jail is jail the right word I always say the wrong thing jail yes jail and um he says to me mom I didn't go to prison prison I went to jail um (laughs) And he had to have a big life change. And part of the process of that life change, which took 18 months um, to do, was he was challenged by a bishop to read in the Book of Mormon every single night. And he did for 18 months. And I'll never forget one day um, he came and he sat at the top of the stairs and he had his scriptures with him. And he said to me, Mom, I want to read you a scripture and I want you to see if it is true. And it is this scripture in Mosiah 2, 22. And it says, and behold, all that he requires of you is to keep his commandments. And he has promised you that if you keep his commandments, ye should prosper in the land. And he never doth vary from that which he has said. Therefore, if ye do keep his commandments, he doth bless you and prosper you. And Garrett said to me, do you think that's true? And I said, yeah, I think that's true. I believe that's true. I have seen that happen in my own life. And he said to me, if that's true, this is going to be my favorite scripture in the Book of Mormon. Well, it is his favorite scripture. It's his favorite scripture of all of scripture. If you were to call Garrett up and ask him to tell you Mosiah 2.22, he can tell it to you um, 
totally memorized. It's his protection scripture. But one of my favorite things is um, he's a football player. Um, he plays in the NFL. And look how big his shoes are. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he played in Division One and also in uh, junior college, um, he would write words on his shoes to help him remember who he was and what he was doing and the life change that he was making. But one thing that is on every pair of shoes, every pair of cleats he has ever worn is this scripture, Mosiah 2.22. It's right here so you can see it on these ones. Um, there is not a pair of cleats that he has that doesn't have this scripture written on it because it has become the theme of his life. And it's something that he truly believes that if we will just keep the commandments, that um, it opens up avenues for the Lord to bless and prosper us, mostly through the spirit that comes and guides us and leads us where we need to go. And one of the things that I love about Garrett is he does his best to keep the commandments and, and nobody's perfect at it, obviously, but it's something that he really cares about in his life. And because of that, he has become a really good friend to the Spirit. And he knows how the Spirit speaks to him. And because of that companionship with the Spirit, it has led him into circumstances and places where he has experienced great blessings in his life. And I think that same thing would be true for every one of us. So one of the ways that we strengthen families and faith is by simply just keeping the commandments in the best way we know how, whatever that looks like for our little family. And, um, and we work on that obedience so that it will open up the avenue for miracles in our life. Yeah, that is the, that's code words. You'll notice it's twice in that scripture. We saw it in chapter one also. You'll see it through the whole Book of Mormon. Whenever you see the phrase, prosper you or prosper you in the land, in the Book of Mormon, that is code for an increased measure of the Holy Spirit. Now, where will he guide and lead you with that? I don't know. Sometimes to people to a financial prosperity, sometimes. But always it means it's code language for an increase of the Spirit. It's one of the things that I've learned from Garrett that I love most is that. Why do you keep the commandments? The answer is for an increase of the companionship of the Holy Spirit. That is, that is it. Too often we confuse ourselves with, mm -hmm. I keep the commandments so I can be righteous, so I can be good, so I can, you know, and it's just So like, I can get it, blessings, it, yeah. so I can have miracles. And in reality... It's companionship mm -hmm. with the Spirit, the Son, the Father, because when you're in companionship with one, you're in companionship with all three. But that's why commandments were given. That's a powerful verse, powerful verse, because it's teaching us the intention, the why behind keeping yep. commandments. We can't find the promised land by ourselves. It is the spirit um, that guides us to those places. And, and whether you're seeking for healing or um, whether you're seeking for um, whatever blessings they might be, you know, I think it's interesting as we think about that fast that we prayed for economic and emotional and physical healing and the spirit knows how to lead us into each of those places and what will be best for our family. Except when we broke our fast, Jackson prayed that the, he blessed to bless the coronavirus. And I was like, no, don't bless the virus. <laughs> you can bless it to die, but don't bless it. it might get, if it gets stronger, it's Jack's fault, just so all of y'all know. Okay, these last two principles are like twins. They just go to get, well, the whole thing actually goes really well together. 
Um, but these last two are just beautiful. It's really spelling out the heart and soul of this whole sermon from him. This one, it's a famous verse. It's in Mosiah chapter 3, um, verses um, 19. 19. And it's so good just following what we just taught about we keep the commandments because we're um, hoping for better companionship with the Spirit. And that leads us right into... 19, which really is kind of the culmination of the seventh principle, but just bear with us and do both together. But 19, he talks about this natural man, which means law of the jungle. That's what natural man means. It means to live according to your own impulses. If you have to stomp on people, stomp on them. If you have to lie to get ahead, lie to get ahead. Dog eat dog. That is the natural man law of the jungle. And he says that kind of living is an enemy to God's ways. It's it's opposite of God's ways. And it has been since the fall of Adam. And it will be forever and ever. Um, what are the ends of living that way is what he wants. It will lead you away from God. And he says, and, and that's how you'll be unless you yield. Unless you give in. Unless you turn over your heart to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, which would be all three, remember? And put off the natural man and becometh a saint. Now, don't stop there because mm-hmm. this is so important. We have on the paper, put off the natural man and become a saint. But this is not through grit, right? Become a saint and through... And you just stop right there for a second because that was going to be so awesome. It's not through grit. It's through, through grace. grace. Let's go. That was go. a good one. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, and we want to remember that. And I just, for a second, pause, because sometimes we forget what grace has the power to do. And and it has, there's two kinds of grace, gratia Christi and gratia Dei. One is the grace that heals wounds. And one is the grace that elevates souls. And mm. I love that we see both right here. Putting off the natural man, that's healing wounds and weakness and overcoming and having the enabling strength to do that. But becoming a saint, that is elevating souls. And grace has the power to do both of, both of those things. And I need to write that down because it's not through grit. Yeah, that's such a good line. That was so good. Yeah, don't worry. We'll put it on a cute quote somewhere. Um, But look, both of those happen, it says in 19, through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And next time, King Benjamin's really going to show the process of how this happens. So this is the Mm. Cliff Notes version to, or I guess people call it Spark Notes now. This is the Spark (laughs) Notes version. Cliff Notes was in my day. Um, How you cheated and read the Scarlet Letter quickly. Um, (laughs) But this is the... This is the shortened version. Become a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord, becoming as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, or in other words, willing to submit all things which the Lord seeth fit. To inflict, that sounds bad today, but it's to bring upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. It is this idea of yielding and submitting and saying, Lord, here's my heart. Fix it, Mm. change it, purify it, strengthen it. It is this idea of just handing it over to him to let him do his work. And I promise you, you can trust your heart in his hands. You you can hand it over to him. All he will ever do with it, um, all he's ever done, all he does or will ever do will be good with it. And that's what King Benjamin is teaching the people to do. Now, so good. it goes so well with this one 
Because before he says in verse 19 to hand your heart over to the Lord, he's going to tell you what he's like. Oh, and this part is so good. And we just have to read some of them because you love the description. Remember, um, this is a time in Mosiah where they, they don't know Christ. They haven't met Christ. Christ has not been born. So he has to describe someone who they haven't ever seen or experienced before. And it was really the best picture of Christ of the, the character is the New Testament, which they haven't Yeah, they don't they haven't have seen it. that picture so of him. So they just yet. have to go with how prophets describe him and and to focus on the reality of that. And it was interesting. I was on a walk yesterday and in the walk we were talking about thinking forward again to when the second coming will be and when Jesus will come again and that it's easier for us to not believe it will happen in our lifetime than to believe that it possibly could to to put our hopes on something that has been a fairy tale for so long and to think could it really be a reality um is, is he really going to come again and it makes you wonder if that was the same question they were asking here like but how do we know He's going to come. And I love when he says in um, Mosiah 3, 5, For behold, the time cometh and is not far far distant, that with power the Lord omnipotent who reigneth, who was and is from all eternity to all eternity, shall come down from heaven among the children of men and shall dwell in a tabernacle of clay and shall go forth amongst men. And then I love this description right here. Working mighty miracles such as healing the sick, raising the dead, causing the lame to walk, the blind to receive their sight, and the deaf to hear, and curing all manner of diseases. And he shall cast out devils or the evil spirits which dwell in the hearts of the children of men. And he will suffer temptation and pain of body, hunger, thirst, and fatigue, even more than man can suffer, except it be unto death. For behold, blood cometh from every poor, so great shall be his anguish for the wickedness and the abominations of his people, and he shall be called Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of heaven and earth, the creator of all things from the beginning, and his mother shall be called Mary. And then I love this line, and lo, he cometh unto his own. And I just love the thought of that, of that description of this is who he's going to be and this is what he's going to do and the fact that he really is going to come and as I read it I thought to myself do I believe that like do I live like he really is going to come and we love in 17 and 20 where he talks about there's no other name given or any other way or or means whereby salvation can come only in and through the name of Jesus Christ. That is just true. That is how we are saved. And um, then in verse 20, And moreover, I say unto you that the time shall come when the knowledge of a Savior shall spread throughout every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. And I just love as we look at all of these chapters and these verses here, and even as we look at this pattern of scripture study and facing your tent toward the temple and listening to the words of a prophet and keeping the commandments and serving other people and and the process that we are going through, through grace, um, to progress and to increase, but all of it together is so that we would come to know 
Jesus Christ mm -hmm. so that we would come to know who he is and his healing power and his enabling strength and the reality, not only that he did come and not only that he will come again, but the reality that he comes to his own, even now, even today, even in this, wherever you are, that he comes with healing and he comes to save us. That is who he is, it is who he always will be and what a great witness from King Benjamin and also preparing them for that covenant experience that they are about to enter into. Yeah, it's almost like he's saying, don't miss this one thing. I'm gonna talk about mm -hmm. service and scripture and don't miss that it's powerless, it's hopeless unless it rests in Jesus Christ. This, this sermon actually is given to King Benjamin. He doesn't make it up. It's given to him by an angel the night before. And I love in Mosiah 3, 3, the angel wakes him up and says to him, Awake and hear the words which I shall tell thee. For behold, I am come to declare unto you glad tidings of great joy. Hmm. It's a similar message that the shepherds said. I mean, that the angel said to the shepherds on, on Christmas. He's like, let me tell you good news. Let me tell you great joy about someone who's about to come. And this is what he's going to be like. And he's going to be crucified and rise again. And you can hand your heart over to him. And that verse 20 that says, mm -hmm. One day the knowledge of a Savior will spread throughout every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. It is so interesting to me that it comes after verse 19. Because he says, Hand over your heart to him and watch him heal you and watch him exalt you. And that is how the knowledge of him is going to spread. It's people telling their stories. Yeah. Like he came to me it's so and good. changed me. Yeah. So, Oh, it's a good one. We love Mosiah. We are so excited to be entering into this book. And welcome back to Come Follow Me yeah. after, after General Conference in Easter. There are so many good things ahead. Yeah. Okay. See you next time. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.